Wendell's World in Sports, I'm your host Wendell Wallace. Today is an emergency podcast about the passing of Kobe Bryant and his 13-year-old daughter Guyana and a helicopter crash on Sunday morning. Absolutely unbelievable. A were, were you when this moment happened in sports for me? I'm going to be talking about the legacy of Kobe Bryant. I'm going to be talking about the passing of Kobe Bryant and also just, just open up my heart and give it to you raw. I this is something where I don't have any notes. I didn't do any research. I didn't sit back and plan about, okay, what kind of angle am I going to take concerning this? How am I going to talk about this? I'm just going to open up the mic for me and just talk and let it all out and give my thoughts and opinions opinions about uh, this day and the passing of Kobe Bryant, January 26, 2020. Just a absolutely sad, sad and tragic day in the sporting world. And one thing that I really want to do, and there's one thing that I've been really working on, uh, for the past, I don't know, decade or so. And it really is going to be put to the test today. It's all about when someone dies, when someone dies that we quote unquote think that we know that is a public figure like Kobe Bryant was. Sometimes we lionize these guys. Sometimes we deify these guys. Sometimes we, I hate to say this, but we kind of make it out a little bit bigger than it is. And while the passing of Kobe Bryant, is especially, 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 his 13-year-old daughter, my goodness fucking gracious, man, just absolutely horrible. When Kobe died, when I found out that Kobe died, I was actually driving in my car. I actually had to pull over because I just couldn't believe it. And I didn't want to get myself in an accident or anything. I just had to, my my, my, my brother, Mikel Davis, texted me that Kobe, Kobe Bryant had passed away and I just pulled over. And I'm like, I couldn't believe this. Is this some type of joke? Is this some type of hoax? Not that he was fucking with me or anything like that, but it was like TMZ reported, okay, is this some type of ha, 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 what's, what's going on here? LeBron just passed Kobe on the all-time scoring list. So is this some type of joke referring to that? What's going on? I didn't know. But when I actually read the tweet, or actually, well, excuse me, when I actually read the text from my brother, and then I went ahead and I checked and I confirmed that, yes, Kobe Bryant was was gone. It had perished in a plane crash or in a helicopter crash. I, uh, I don't know. I, 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 I don't know. I, 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 the way I, the way I'm talking right now, the way that I first, I, holy shit. I can't believe it. I, I just can't believe it. I, there's gotta be a mistake. The re reports say, has it been confirmed yet? My God. I mean, I don't, it's just, it was just heartbreaking, heartbreaking. And then, I'm kind of dealing with this and I'm kind of going and talking and taking a look at the news and everything like that. Then the reports by Adrian Wojnarowski were confirmed that his 13-year-old daughter, Guyana, was also in the helicopter and she died. Oh my, I, I just, I couldn't deal. I really couldn't deal. I mean, Kobe got me emotional, his passing, but tears welled up in my eyes when it was a 13-year-old. His 13-year-old daughter died with him. It's, it's just it's just absolutely horrible. Now, later on, there was a statement from the police, excuse me, or from L.A. Uh, Sheriff's Department that said that there were nine people total who died in that plane crash, including the pilot, some other players on Guyana's team, and some parents. Just, just horrible. Just horrible. So while, because we know Kobe... We're going to lionize him. We're going to be talking about him mainly in this crash. Remember also, along with his daughter, there were seven other people who lost their lives. And some of them were also children. And I just, I can't, I can't deal. I can't deal. I had to go ahead and I don't want to, you know what? When I was thinking about going ahead to doing this podcast and I was, you know, my thought when I do a podcast is, okay, what angle am I going to come from? The Doing the research, doing the 
proper things that I need to do to give you a the most quality podcast that I could. I don't want to do that. I don't want to look up anything. I don't want to research. I don't want to read any more news. I don't want to. I don't want to delve into this anymore. At least for the time being. I, what I want to do right now is I want to sit down here and I want to talk to you about what's going down with Kobe Bryant, the thoughts and feelings about Kobe Bryant and the lost, the loss of his daughter. That's what I want to do. I don't want to sit here and continue to hear people talk about Kobe Bryant, not because of anything of out of annoyance or anything like that, because right now, emotionally, I just can't deal with it right now, especially seeing the pictures on Twitter and such of his daughter and his, she was such a beautiful young girl, you know, look, beautiful combination of, uh, of her mother, Vanessa and her, and her father, Kobe. I mean, she just seemed to look like an absolutely beautiful young girl. And uh, people say that she had, she had her dad's mamba mentality, you know, and she was one of those who was trying to uh, get her goal was to get into the WNBA and her and Kobe had become very close because Kobe was coaching her, coaching his daughter. In fact, that's where they were going to, they were going to a tournament when the helicopter went down or when the helicopter crashed. So I just needed just to step back from that and just do this because I, and I thank you very much for listening. I really do because for me, this is very therapeutic and you know, I'm going to ramble and I'm going to go off in many different directions and I might not get to point A to point B. I might take a couple of detours leaving point A before I get to point B. But believe me when I tell you, I appreciate this because this is something that I need right now. This is something that I really need to get out right now and go on the shock the absolute shock that I have right now and the first stages of going through this in terms of, you know, going through the stages of grief and mourning and all those type of things. And it's going to be, in course, in different levels, of course, because I don't know Kobe. I wasn't affiliated with Kobe. I'd never met Kobe. I only know Kobe from him being a basketball player and other things that uh, he did within his life. So I don't have an intimate relationship. Or I'm not a family member or I've never met Kobe or anything like that. So mine's five stages of grief and sorrow and anger and disbelief are going to be on a lot different and totally different level from those who have known him like his, like his parents or his family members or his wife and of course his kids. But this is just something for me to give to you and let this being selfish. I'm being selfish, giving this to you so I can, move on and continue because I got to go to work tomorrow and uh you know I want to be a functional human being and uh you know as I mentioned before losing Kobe that's that's terrible that's horrible but the thought of a 13 year old girl dying uh, in that helicopter crash along with other other children teenagers whatever you want to say is just devastating for me beyond belief I'm not a parent but I can only imagine the absolute pain and the heartbreak that uh, people are going through, that their family members are going through. Kobe leaves a wife and three daughters. If you're Vanessa, what do you do? If you're Vanessa, where do you go? I mean, how do you find the strength? I can't, I can't fathom. And I understand that if you pray to the Lord or whoever you want to do to get your strength, that you'll be able to get through it somehow, some way. But I just don't know how anybody will function. If uh, God forbid something happened to my goddaughter who's 21 years old, I couldn't function. I wouldn't want to function. I wouldn't want to live anymore. I, I've, I've said this before, man, my life is bound by three people, my mom, my goddaughter, and my brother. After that, when those three threads disevolve or whatever, and I'm still around, hey, I, life is whatever. When my dad died, a part of the thought of dying, not the fear, because we're all going to die sooner or later, but when my dad died a couple of years ago, in which I'm still struggling, 
uh, day by day with that. Some days are better than others. I'm a functioning human being, of course, and I have my good days, but uh, it's a permanent injury that's never going to go away. And you know that anybody who's lost a loved one or a parent definitely knows that. But uh, so I'm a functioning human being. I'm doing well and living life. But uh, there's times that I struggle. And as I mentioned before, this is an injury that's never going to go away, a pain in my heart that's never going to go away. But you, you manage and you go on. But after my father died, I just said, you know what? Death, whatever. And it's a matter of when my mom dies, when my brother dies, and then my goddaughter dies. Those are the only three things that make me, that keep me, and almost keep me living almost in terms of, you know what? Hey, if those three die and I'm still around, if I die that next second, who cares? I want to live as long as possible. But if something happens to my brother, Mikel Davis, my goddaughter, Sydney Davis, or my mom before something happens to me, Death, you could take me the second that they die. I wouldn't care. So the only reason why I'm, I'm saying these things is just to just think about what Vanessa, Kobe's wife, is going through right now. How is she going to tell her daughters who are still young, who, are st who I don't think they've even reached uh, double digits yet in terms of age? What do you, how, do you, how do you do this? Where do you go? So it's just a sad, sad, sad deal all around. And to have your daughters deal with this tragedy now as young as they are i mean hell my dad died when i was 48 fucking years old and he lived to be 90 i mean that was a celebration almost when he died in terms of my dad did everything that he wanted to do lived as long as he wanted to live and when he died he went peacefully and he didn't suffer and his illness and his path from living to dying was very very brief so he didn't suffer, he wasn't uh, put in uncomfortable positions, he didn't go through any pain, there was no long journey of pain and suffering, he wasn't a burden to me or my mom or anything like that, he lived every single day of his life the way that he wanted to live. So when he died at the age of 90, it's almost hard for me to mourn something like that. So it was almost like we mourned slash celebrated a life that was well-lived, a life that was full, a life that was complete. My dad always said, hey, look, you know, when I make it to 90, I want to go to the gym, do a workout, this, that, and the other, and then life will be complete. I want to be able to go to the gym and work out on my 90th birthday, which he did, and it was like, after that, hey, man, if the Lord wants to take me or call me or whatever, I'm cool, I'm good, because I did absolutely everything that I wanted to do. Kobe still had so much more in his life that he wanted to do. And one of those things is to continue to be a fabulous dad to his four daughters, to continue to groom Gianna to be a WNBA basketball player and be the best basketball player and human being that she could along with his other three daughters. And he never got an opportunity to do that, man. He never got an opportunity to do those things, which sucks, which is terrible, which is horrible. And as I mentioned before, no 13-year-old girl, no 13-year-old child should die. She shouldn't. Nobody should. Forget if it's Kobe Bryant's daughter, Ted Bundy's daughter, John Wayne Gacy's son. It doesn't matter. Nobody that age. A child should never die at that age. So again, that's where the real emotions come out because it's just horrible. It's just horrible. If my God, my goodness gracious, if... if Sydney died when she was that age. Hell, if she dies tomorrow, which God hoping I doesn't, I hope she doesn't, I don't know what I'm going to do. So those are some of the thoughts and feelings. And of course, you have children. You have children. So 
I can only imagine your thoughts and feelings when you first heard that Kobe Bryant died. It was like, damn, I can't believe it. You think Kobe Bryant, the basketball player, he gave me so much joy. He's the reason why I'm a Laker fan or he's the reason why I watch NBA basketball. Or you can even be, that's one of the reasons why I think the NBA stinks right now. And I can't stand it because, you know, when I watch basketball and when I was watching Kobe Bryant, that was the best. And now since Kobe is gone, they don't have the type of player. They don't have that Mamba mentality. They don't have that winning competitive mentality. They don't have that type of vigor and passion for the game that Kobe had along with his complete and utter excellence to the game, his passion and dedication to the game. Because of that, because teams want to shoot 55,000 three-pointers a game and no Body wants to shoot a two-pointer. That's the reason why I'm not an NBA fan. Whatever your reasons are, when you're when you first or, or your emotions were when you first heard that Kobe Bryant died, that was tough because you knew Kobe on that level. He gave you joy. He entertained you. He inspired you to maybe do something as far as love a sport, play a sport, or whatever. That was the emotional feeling that you had. You didn't know him personally. You didn't know him in that intimate manner but again it was the fact that he gave you so much joy and happiness watching him play basketball so when he died at such a young age at 41 and for all them folks under the age of 25 yes 41 is extremely young so when he died at the age of 41 because of the connection that you had with Kobe giving you joy like he did playing basketball that was one thing but then you found out that his daughter died if you have a 13-year-old daughter, if you have a daughter or a son of any age, that's where it took you next level. That's where you went from sorrow to just another level or two. That's where, for me, it became going from emotion like, damn, I can't believe this shit, this, that, and the other, to all of a sudden, let me get tissues because I got tears starting to well up in my eyes and start flowing down to my cheeks. And as a man, I'm not afraid to say that, that the, the loss of a 13-year-old child is just, for me, it's just just awful. And also for you, too. That's where you almost said to yourself, man, if you do have a, if you do have a child of that age or before, that's where you wanted to go ahead and you say, hey, what, I just wanted to let you know that I love you. Or you wanted to hug them. Or you just wanted to do something with them. Or you, you just wanted to spend some time with them. Because, damn, man, none of us is promised tomorrow. And that's something in my podcast that I always talk about. None of us are privilege or guarantee that tomorrow is going to show up. I mean, right now, as I'm recording this, hey, you know what? By the time the sun goes down, I may be dead. I don't know. I have no idea. I have no idea what I'm going to be doing in the next 10, 20, 30 minutes, 10, 20, 30 hours, 10, 20, 30 years in terms of whether I'm going to be living or not. I hope I am. I sure hope I am. But there's no guarantee. There's no guarantee by the end of this podcast I'm going to be living. There's no guarantee of that's going to be happening. The chances might be extremely good. But you never know. When Kobe woke up this morning, he didn't think to himself, okay, I'm going to die today. When he put, when he got Gianna, woke her up, or when they got ready to leave, and he said goodbye to his wife, and he said goodbye to his three kids, he wasn't talking about, well, I'm going to die today, so take it easy. No, he had all intentions, of course, of fly, taking his helicopter, going to do this tournament, flying back to Calabasas or whatever, coming back to see his wife and see his children, and rinse, wash, repeat, and do again. I mean, there was no thought about this could be my last day on earth. This could be, there was no thought from Kobe or Vanessa or anybody that Kobe Bryant was going to die today. Hence, that's the reason why it's so, shock, so shocking. Hence, that's the reason why, man. You can't, you can't waste a second, a minute, a day, a month, a life. You can't, you can't do this. 
You can't waste those days. And I know that we do. I know that I do. But man, one of the things that tragedies like this have taught me is that you, you just can't, you just can't take, you just can't take for granted that tomorrow's going to come. You really can't. Now, I'm not saying that every moment of the day, you need to be calling your loved ones talking about, oh, I love you so much. I love you. I love you. I love you. Always remember that I love you. I love you. I love you. I'm, I'm not saying that, but I tell you one thing, man, I try to somehow, some way make sure that people who I know and appreciate and who I love, and there ain't that many of them. Give you the circle in my life is very small of those type of people, but I damn sure let them know how I feel about them. So if something happens to me tonight, if something happens to me in the next hour or two or whatever, that they'll know that, well, he did love me. <laughs> one thing that Wendell did, he made it clear that, yeah, man, we were boys or I loved them and this, that, and the other. So I mean, my, his feelings toward me were genuine and they were, they were told to by him. So, that's what I'm talking about, man. That's what I'm talking about. So the passing of Kobe Bryant, again, this is an emergency podcast of Wendell's World and Sports. And again, this is just something about me just riffing. I I, I don't have any notes in front of me. I don't know what direction I'm going to go. I just don't. I don't. I'm just, this is just therapeutic for me. I'm on the couch and you're on the seat and you're taking notes and you're like, hmm, Mr. Wallace, this is very interesting. You're you're the doctor and I'm the patient. And uh, this is just my way of letting it all out. This is my therapy session. And I, again, I very much appreciate you taking the time. And I promise this ain't going to be no damn two-hour rambling fest tonight. I'm going to be very brief and very short for me, which means I'm only going to be doing it an hour and a half. No, I'm joking. I'll be very brief and very, very short about this the passing of Kobe Bryant and his beautiful daughter, Gianna, along with the seven others, parents and kids and the pilot uh, in this tragic plane crash. No names have been reported from the other uh, folks who were par- who had perished. Um, the coroner, I get the LA um, uh, Sheriff's Office, were saying that they want to go ahead and have the coroner identify the bodies and notify next of kin before they move on and start giving out information to the press and and all those other things so right now right now we're just going to be focusing on Kobe and Guyana but it was interesting you know speaking now more about the life of Kobe Bryant and doing it mainly from a basketball standpoint because most people fell in love with Kobe we formulated and these feelings about Kobe grew when he became a Los Angeles Lakers and he started playing basketball. One thing that's always interesting, especially when sports or entertainment or public figures die young or die before their time, the eulogy and the sentiments that are spoke of them are always, I would say, half complete or a little bit fabricated or you really don't tell the whole story. I'm going to tell you right now, I followed Kobe's career ever since that he was a senior in Lowell Marion in Pennsylvania, outside of Philadelphia. And when he came to the Lakers, it, this this beloved Kobe Bryant that people are talking about now, that he's Mr. Laker, that he's the greatest Laker ever, that he's the most beloved Laker ever, that took a while for that to formulate. When Kobe first came to the Los Angeles Lakers, especially during even the championship, year, championship years with Shaquille O'Neal, Kobe Bryant by Los Angeles Lakers fans was not beloved. Kobe Bryant, even for NBA fans, was not beloved. 
I can remember an All-Star game being played in Philadelphia where the Philadelphia crowd, crowd booed Kobe Bryant because he had, in their thoughts and feelings, kind of disassociated himself with the city of Philadelphia. He was too much being into all L.A. and kind of forgotten where he came from, even though he was born in Italy and his formative years were in Italy. He didn't move back to the States and go to Philadelphia in high school until he was in his what, 13, 14 years old, but he was booed in Philadelphia during the All-Star game. There was a time also where when Shaq was on the team, this was Shaquille O'Neal's team. If you would have asked Laker fans, I mean, there were people who loved Kobe, of course, and there were people, Laker fans, of course, who thought this was Kobe's team, this was Kobe's team, but this was always the majority, I would say, or at least over 50% thought that this was Shaq's team. One of the reasons why Kobe was so frothing at the mouth and so is so adamant, is so doggone almost addicted to trying to win himself a championship once Shaquille left was because he got sick and tired of talking about, well, yeah, Kobe Bryant, yeah, three championships, but who was the real person who got those championships? Or who was the main reason, what was the main, who was the main player for the Lakers winning that championship. Oh, it was Shaquille O'Neal. It was Shaquille O'Neal. Kobe Bryant was the ball hog. Kobe Bryant was the one who ran off Shaquille O'Neal. This was always Shaquille's team. And you see how many championships, especially the first couple of years where the Lakers traded Shaquille O'Neal to the Miami Heat for Lamar Odom and uh, some other players that when he was dealing with Rudy Tomjanovich as the coach and then he left and Phil Jackson came in and he was playing with Smush Parker and Chris Mims and some of these other guys and the Lakers for Kobe Bryant standards were stinking and they weren't doing anything yet. He was averaging 36, 37 points a game. What was the narrative? The narrative was, was C, I told you he couldn't win a championship without Shaquille O'Neal. Yeah, he's scoring 35, 36, 37 points a game. Yeah, he's doing all this kind of stuff, but you see what he's doing. You see how well the team is doing without... Shaquille O'Neal. Kobe Bryant fought that. In fact, not only Kobe Bryant fought the selfish label that was given to him, he embraced it. He was like, yeah, I'm a gunner. Yeah, I shoot a lot. Yeah, I'm selfish. You know why? Because I'm great. You know why I'm that? Because no one can stop me. That's the reason why I shoot all the time. Because just like my idol, Michael Jordan, who shot a whole lot, why did he shoot a whole lot? Because no one could stop MJ. Me trying to pattern my game after MJ. That's the reason why I shoot all the time. Because no one can stop me. And it really wasn't until Paul Casal came to the team and they got themselves. Lamar Odom started to mature a little bit. That's before he got hooked up with a Kardashian. And then they made the trade for Ron Artest. And they finally put a team around them where Kobe was like, well, you know what? I can still be that alpha dog. This is still my team. This is still my program. This is still my locker room. This is, I'm still in charge. I'm still the head nigga in charge in terms of uh, telling people what to do in terms of this being my team. But also, I don't have to be so standoffish. Also, I don't have to be so, I don't have to build that wall. I can start to trust people. I can start to trust players around that they can get the job done. I can still dish out the tough love. I can still be demanding. I can still be all those things, but I can do it in a different way to where it can get the most out of that team. And that's when the Lakers won two championships in three years. They beat Orlando, and then they beat the Boston Celtics in a classic seven-game series. So there was, before people start talking about how wonderful and awesome Kobe Bryant was and how much they love Kobe Bryant, especially if you remember that incident in Colorado and then the news coming out about what he said about Shaquille when he was being interviewed by the police out there, 
Kobe Bryant was not this super beloved figure. He also came in at a time when the NFL, uh, excuse me, when the NBA was at its lowest. And the only reason why I'm bringing this up is not to smear the man or denigrate the man or anything like that. But you know what makes legends legends? What makes people so great is the fact that they go through the fire, they go through the adversity, they go through the tough times and the obstacles that either themselves or other people put in front of them. And when people see that they can do those things, when people see that they can change, when people see that they can grow and become better human beings, that's when they become beloved. If you take a look at the biography of Babe Ruth, Babe Ruth wasn't this guy who smacked 60 home runs and dominated the game for every single year of his career. Babe Ruth, for a time, was hated by his teammates. Babe Ruth was hated at a time by his manager. Babe Ruth was a guy who, at a time, was hated by the media because he drank too much and he ate too many hot dogs and he fucked around too much and he didn't take the game seriously and he thought that he was better than the game and he thought that he was bigger than his teammates. And because of that, he got... There were, there were seasons where he didn't play to the expectations that people thought. There was a time when Babe Ruth, during his career, before he went ahead to the 1927 season and hit 60 home runs, there was, a, there was a two to three year stretch where Babe Ruth was not the beloved legendary figure that we know of him today. That's the same thing with a whole lot of other, of other uh, national figures and, and uh, public figures. The narrative has always been, if we take a look at any of the great people that we celebrate, whose names and accomplishments, and whether it be in sports or music or politics or entertainment, whatever, you can bring up Ali, you can bring up Joe DiMaggio, you can bring up Mickey Mantle, you can bring up Ted Williams, you can bring up Kobe Bryant, you can bring up any of these guys, man. And we sit there, and if you listen to someone talk about a Mickey Mantle or a Joe DiMaggio or a Babe Ruth or a Ted Williams or, or any of these legendary figures or a Muhammad Ali, we always talk about in totality of how awesome they were as human beings, how awesome they were as athletes, and mainly because of their athletic prowess, because of their legendary feats on the baseball diamond or the basketball court or on the football field, that sometimes it overshadows some of the weaknesses they had as human beings. But guess what? That's all part of the deal. That's all part of why we beloved these guys so much. Joe DiMaggio was a rotten human being. Joe DiMaggio treated people like crap. Joe DiMaggio thought that he was better than everybody else. But yet and still, Joe, Joe DiMaggio, at the end of the day, still had a song talking about, where have you gone, Joe DiMaggio? Ted Williams was not the easiest guy to get, to get along with. Him and the Boston Press, they hated each other. But when he died, he was rightfully thought of as the John Wayne of his era. I mean, he had glowing, glowing obituaries about him, rightfully so. Mickey Mantle was a drunk who did some horrible things as far as the way he treated his wives and other people. But when he died, he was a beloved figure. Muhammad Ali at one time let a thug-like bunch of crap, no-good Muslims, quote-unquote Muslims, poisoned his mind to where he was talking a whole bunch of junk. He was talking a whole bunch of nonsense. He was talking a whole bunch of stupidity stuff. 
I mean, the stuff that he was talking about with Joe Frazier calling him a gorilla and an Uncle Tom and everything, the pain and everything that he brought to Joe Frazier and his family was horrible, was awful. The way he treated his wives, terrible, awful. The way he treated women in general for a certain part of his time, awful, terrible. But yet and still, when he died or when he went through the fire and he came out, and he grew from those experiences. He grew from those mistakes. He learned from the mistakes and trials and tribulations that he had. That's when he was raised to deify, uh, to a higher stature. And that's the same thing with Kobe Bryant. It's not embarrassing. I don't think it's rude. I don't think it's wrong. I don't think it's not the place when we speak about the legend that is Kobe Bryant, the person that is Kobe Bryant, if you're going to be talking about the wonderful human being that he is, the awesome traits that he had of being a great person or a good person or a great husband or a wonderful father and all those types of things, you need to also bring up some of the other stuff that lessened what he was as a human being. You put all of that into a stew, you still come up with someone who needs to be admired, someone who needs to be lionized almost for today and beyond. Kobe Bryant was always thought of for the Lakers early in his career as being selfish. Always. Not always did he get along with his teammates. There were games, there were times where he cheated the game. I mean, remember that game in Sacramento where in a very important game that he left the teammates out to dry because he got so sick and tired of people talking about he shot too much that he said, you know what? I'm not going to shoot anymore, though. You guys think you guys think I shoot too much? How about this? I'm not going to shoot at all. Fuck you. And cost him a big game. There were games like that with Kobe. Kobe wasn't the easiest teammate to get along with. We all again know about there's always been rumors and speculations about other things regarding Kobe Bryant. And, and again, this is not to smear the man. This is just to say that guess what? He's human, and human beings make mistakes. But the great thing about Kobe was he learned from those mistakes. And that's what makes a man even a greater man, that he evolved as a human being. He came into the league as, at what, 17, 18 years old. And that's true. Most of his adult life we were witness to, at least from afar. And what the man turned himself into and what he was doing with his daughter and the way he started to interact with people. I always thought Kobe was a, and this is early on in his career. And again, this is maybe the situation where him coming into the league, maybe the situation and the relationship that he had with his family, his father and his mother and his sisters in which he was estranged from. I don't know if they ever reconciled. I don't know. That's none of my business. But I know at the time he was talking about, I don't have any contact with my sisters. I don't have any contact with my mom and dad, you know, that for whatever reason. But um, there was always something about Kobe that I felt was he was a unique person. Here was a guy who was also being criticized when he came into the league because people were like, oh, you see what he's doing? Look at his mannerisms. Look at the way he walks. Look at, uh, look at everything. He's trying to be Jordan. He wants to be another Jordan. I was one of those who was always talking about, you see him hit a game-winning shot, he mimicked the he mimicked the celebration that Jordan had when he hit the game-winner against Utah in game two. When he won a championship, I think when he won his fourth championship, I want to say, he got up on the table and did the same thing Jordan did when he won, I think, when Jordan won his fifth or sixth championship. It took a long time for Kobe Bryant to find himself and become the person that he was, or kind of, or at least find himself and become the person that we wanted him to, that we were able to see, that he wanted to give to us. 
It took a long time for, for Kobe to do that. But when he finally did, and when he finally matured, it was beautiful. It was wonderful. It was fantastic. And he became a, a great, great man from a lot of standpoints. So uh, this is just my thing with Kobe, man. He's, go he's going to be missed. He's going to be missed. And, and let's not make any type of, let's not, let's not fool ourselves. When Kobe Bryant stopped playing in the NBA, for NBA fans, we moved on. Whether it be my generation who grew up loving Magic Johnson and Mark Aguirre and Isaiah Thomas and Larry Bird and Bernard King and those guys, that's the my generation. That's the group of guys that we grew up idolizing as youngsters when we were growing up. That's the reason why we fell in love with the NBA. That's the reason why we fell in love with basketball. Really, if you think of the, think about it, Magic Johnson, what his impact was with the Los Angeles Lakers and for basketball in general really set the stage, really set the foundation for a Kobe Bryant to come in and be as great as he was. Because the Lakers' name, why was the Lakers' name so great? The Lakers' name was so great and so worldwide and known was because of Magic Johnson and what he did for the team and the franchise and the league back in the 1980s. So that was set. So that platform was set for someone like a Kobe Bryant to come in. Would Kobe and Bryant have been as beloved or as known or as universally known or you know, would there have been the interest for Kobe Bryant, say for instance, if he would have stayed to play with the then Charlotte Bobcats? Would he have been the same type of player if he would have played for the Indiana Pacers or the Portland Trailblazers or the Sacramento Kings or any of those other squads, the Orlando Magic? Would Kobe have been this type of revered historical now figure in NBA annals? being the crossover superstar, being going from being an NBA superstar to a public figure, to where we have people in other countries, where we have people in other industries, where we have people in other countries who don't know anything about the NBA or don't know anything about sports, who know who Kobe Bryant is. Would Kobe Bryant be the type of person that my mom, who doesn't give a shit about anything in terms of sports is concerned, she might know LeBron James, and that's about it. When I told my mom today about Kobe Bryant dying, she knew who Kobe Bryant was. Would Kobe have that sense of would Kobe have that sense of reach among people who know him? Would he have been that public figure if he would have been playing for these other teams? Who knows? But the platform and the foundation that Magic Johnson set for Kobe Bryant to come into and be the superstar and have that global explosion of people knowing who he was, that was set by Magic. So, yeah, so for me, my love and devotion was always toward that generation. But for Kobe and the next generation after me, that was their, for them, for Kevin Durant and for Russell Westbrook and for James Harden and for Steph Curry and all those guys, it wasn't about Magic Johnson. It wasn't about Michael Jordan. For those, for that generation, Kobe Bryant was their Michael Jordan. Kobe Bryant was their Magic Johnson for my generation. Magic Johnson didn't, didn't inspire a James Harden, didn't inspire a Paul George or a Kawhi Leonard to pick up a basketball and play. Michael Jordan and Magic Johnson didn't inspire Kevin Durant and those guys, Allen Iverson and those guys to pick up a basketball and play. They might have known of their importance once they got a little bit older, but I guarantee you that that generation that generation of superstars that we have right now, 
the Chris Pauls and the Russell Westbrooks and the James Harden and the Kevin Durants and the Steph Currys and the Clay Thompsons and the Paul Georges and the Kawhi Leonard's and those superstar NBA basketball players, the Giannis and Denikupo, those guys, the LeBron James even, those guys, their hero were was Kobe Bean Bryant. And it was just, it's just absolutely amazing. One thing, and this is Wendell's World in Sports, the emergency podcast of me talking about the passing of Kobe Bryant and his absolutely beautiful daughter, Gianna, along with seven other wonderful human beings, including children who lost their lives in a helicopter crash today as I'm recording this on a Sunday. Here's another thing that kind of strikes me when I've been listening to so many, the, the impact that Kobe Bryant had. And I listen, you listen to other athletes, you listen to people in other industries. You, 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 you see the fact that this is being shown on major news networks for a bitch like Laura Ingram. Let me, let me explain something to you, bitch. You know, when you made that ignorant racist, stupid comment about shut up and dribble, that these guys should just shut up and dribble before you sound so ignorant in your response or in your your condescending, arrogant way of saying these guys are just basketball players, just shut up and dribble. Kind of take a look at the impact that Kobe Bryant had, not just on basketball players, but people in general. And not people sitting there talking about, yeah, Kobe Bryant died. Yeah, that sucks. Moving on. The raw emotion that people had and the way he's playing the game of basketball, his mentality toward the game of basketball, shaped someone like a Joe Burrow who on his Instagram or on who texts that, you know what, or tweeted that this is the reason why I put that mentality of Kobe Bryant into the sport that I play and look where it led me to, potentially being the number one draft pick, winning a Heisman Trophy. When you speak about that Mamba mentality, when people saw Kobe Bryant play basketball, it inspired them maybe not to go out and play basketball, but to take that dedication, to take that mentality and put it into other things in their lives, whether it be their schoolwork, whether it be being a better parent, whether it be being a better employee, being a better manager, being a better boss. You see, bitch, you see, Laura Ingram, that's the reason why you sound so fucking stupid when you say that these athletes should just shut up and dribble. You see, because they're more than just people who should just shut up and dribble. Because, let me tell you something, Kobe Bryant wasn't that guy out there kneeling during a national anthem. He wasn't out there talking about calling the idiot that we have in the White House right now. He wasn't taking shots at those guys. He wasn't doing any of that stuff. But yet, through his basketball playing, he still inspired people to do great things. That's the type of power that Kobe Bryant had. That's the type of influence that Kobe Bryant had, not just on a younger generation, but people of his own peers and even people older than him who are maybe doing things more important than just being a basketball player. So when we talk about the impact that people have playing basketball and we talk about them being role models, let's just not remember, let's just not forget that they're being role models, whether they like it or not, just not for kids but people other than those people, the people other than kids. So when Laura English talking about Kobe Bryant or LeBron James needs to shut up and dribble, take a look at the outpouring of love and emotion and affection that the whole world, not just the basketball community, bitch, not just the, not just one part of, uh, of the community, not just black folks, not just 
folks who play basketball, none of that. We're talking about the impact that Kobe Bryant had on the whole world just by playing the game of basketball. That's why these athletes should not just shut up and dribble or shut up and catch a football or shut up and shoot a hockey puck or shut up and catch a baseball or shut up and score a touchdown or shut up and just coach a game. That's the reason why people in that industry have a bigger platform for them to use and should be able to use it, bitch. Wendell's World of Sports, Wendell's World of Sports on this emergency edition here of the passing of Kobe Bryant. So I think I'm done here. I think I've exhausted all that I need to exhaust concerning Kobe Bryant. Let the grieving process begin for me. And again, it just reaches back again to uh, his daughter. And I guess for me, really, this is, this is, I guess, the the most unbelievable thing in my life in terms of an athlete. The impact that an athlete had on me dying young is 1986, the death of Lem Bias. That's what, 1986? So we're talking about almost 35, 40 years later. That still has an impact on me. What happened to Lem Bias at the University of Maryland. And there's been other tragic deaths in the world of sports when you think about Thurman Munson and Roberto Clemente and Lyman Bostock and Hank Gathers and Bobby Phils and all of these all of these things. There have been other tragedies in the world of sports that uh, we need to shed a tear over and we need to contemplate. I still remember, man, the, the feeling that I got, the, just, the, just, the, just the waywardness and the lost of just what am I going to do when Lenny, when Len Bias died? Because that was truly our hero. That was not just my hero, but everybody in that community. Len Bias was our hero. And when he died, after getting drafted by the Celtics, it, it, I just, I couldn't, it, for a week, we couldn't function. Thank goodness that it was during the summer. So it was guys like me, Mikel Davis, D. Smith, Hayden Witter, Kevin Gray, Tim Sanderson, Joe Bolding, all of these guys. We just, we just couldn't believe it. We just could not believe it. I think all of us walked around in a daze for like a week. David O'Neill, my half-brother, we just walked around in a daze for like a week. We didn't know what exactly to do because Lenny Lenny was our everything when it came to sports and basketball and such. I mean, that's one of the reasons why we became basketball fans along with Albert King and Buck Williams and Bernard King and and Magic Johnson and every player who played for Georgetown, Patrick Ewing and those guys. I mean, when Lenny died, especially as I mentioned before, this the way he died after being drafted by the Celtics, we we were lost. We were absolutely lost. And I can tell you right now that there's going to be a generation of people right now who loved and admired Kobe Bryant who are going to be lost, walking in the wilderness of lostness for a few days, figuring out what the fuck just happened here and how could this happen. And just terrible. It's just absolutely horrible. I mean, he didn't die in a he didn't die of a drug overdose. He didn't die because someone thought that he was cheating on his wife, so they went ahead and killed him and shot him. He didn't die, and, 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 he, and he really didn't die in a way where we could look and say, well, you know, eh, you should have done this, or you could have done that, or you should No, I mean, he died, in a, he died doing something that was routine for him that he had been doing for over two decades. And he lost his life, and again, losing, losing his daughter. Just horrible. Just just absolutely horrible and heartbreaking. So there's so much stuff that I wanted to talk about for my next podcast that I was going to do. I wanted to talk about the NBA, the in-season tournament, and a way that 
possibly teams could stop tanking or give them a better reason to continue to play basketball and maybe talk about the trade deadline before the Super Bowl started. All of these things that I was going to do, I was going to discuss, and I will, and I will. But right now, I just wanted to give my thoughts and opinions about the passing of Guyana and Kobe Bryant and the seven others who tragically perished in a plane crash. Been through it, man. You know, I, I, I remember when Eddie Guerrero died and Raw held that tribute to Eddie Guerrero and listening to Chris Benoit's testimonial when he was talking about Eddie Guerrero. I mean, it just absolutely just broke your heart. Just broke your heart. Now, does that lead to, lead to Chris Benoit doing what he did to his family? Who knows? I'm quite sure there's more. There's more complexity into what happened to Nancy Benoit and his son than what we'll ever know. But um, there's been some times, again, where it's like, wow, man, that's fucking unbelievable about what happened. And give me uh, give me a day to kind of get over this. And this is one of them days. Kobe Bryant gone at the age of 41, along with his beautiful daughter, Guyana. So thank you very much for listening. Thank you very much for given me the opportunity to do this. And uh, I've already sent a note to my goddaughter telling her that, you know, she's the most important outside of my brother, Mikel Davis and my mom. She's the most important thing in my life. She's probably more important to me than me. So I uh, just wanted to let her know that. And then lesson learned from what happened today, again, especially with the loss of his daughter, if you got children, if you got anybody that you love and everything like that, man, make sure they know. Let them know well, how much you care about them, how much you love, them, you love them. Because nobody is guaranteed tomorrow. Nobody is guaranteed their next breath. So I will be talking to you later on a more positive and non-somber note. This has been Wendell's World of Sports. Not going to hit the mu- music today or do anything like that. I'll just say... A more positive podcast will be coming up very, very soon. We'll get back to talking more about what's happening in the world of sports. Peace.